This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. How many know when you get saved, you change? All right, I had somebody say to me the other day, they said, Pastor, you still letting people get saved in their seats? I said, yes, I am. God can save you right out there. Come on now. Just as much as he can save you right down here. And they said, well, do you think they're really saved if they don't come down front? I said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't count tears in the front. We wait to count getting wet in the water. Okay. Because a lot of people come down and cry over their stuff. But it's another thing to get wet in public. And what did Jesus say was the first command after you're saved? To be what? Baptized. Baptized. Wow. A public testimony of real life change. And so when somebody taught us that, we, we really were blown away as we started seeing people not just having an emotional moment, but having a time of growing and then testifying to what God was doing. And so on our last Sunday of 28 Days to Change, we want to baptize people who are going to testify to the change that's happened in their lives. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Come on now. Amen. Now, let me just say this. If you just clap for that and you haven't publicly been baptized since you got saved or rededicated your life, thank you for signing up with that clap. Okay? Some of you are looking at me like, are you kidding me? Well, I'm not holding you to it, but I sure would encourage you in it. Because what better way to end the 28 days of change than to have baptism and let people testify that they are now dead to sin and alive in Christ. Okay, let's ask God to open this message to us tonight. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, you see my, my inabilities, and, and I ask you, Lord, that, that your grace and your goodness will cover us. And Lord, I ask you that you will deliver us. Speak to us through your word now, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to bring you a message just, just briefly called All the Marbles, All the Marbles. Okay, so <laughs> I started to have them hand out one to everybody when they came in tonight, but I, then I realized they were a choking hazard and didn't want you to be bored while I was preaching. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, one of the most popular gifts this year uh, during the holiday season were those uh, DNA kits. Anybody get one of those for, during the Christmas? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, DNA kits. We've even had several people in our church who have found uh, uh, different neat things about their families out through this. One, one person actually even found out who, who their, their parents were through a, a DNA uh, kit that they received as a gift. You see, a lot of people are talking about their ancestors and particularly where they came from. I had somebody show me just this week. He's like, yeah, I've got, I'm from here, here, and here, and pulled up his whole profile, and, and I'm looking at him, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to see maybe some of those characteristics in him and wondering how many generations it's back. See, the thing is they know where they're from, but they have no clue really who the people were. 
They have, they have certain characteristics, but they, they don't really know that, that, you know, okay, they realize that at some point in, you know, the generations of their family, someone came from North Africa and, and someone came from uh, Scandinavia in this particular case, and someone came from uh, a, another location, all these, these DNA profiles merging together to create them. But they knew the profile, the genetic makeup, but they didn't know the who. You see, the thing about this that I want you to understand is in 100 or 200 years from now, the thing that will change your world and my world is that we won't be famous. Just be honest about it. We, we probably won't be known, and our life will be reduced down to a genetic profile in somebody's DNA sequence. It's really what it comes down to. It's just going to be a trail of our existence that was left here. And as much as we don't like it, time is fleeting and time is limited. You see, time is one of the greatest factors of change. And I want you to get that tonight. Time is one of the greatest factors. Now, I enjoyed preaching to you Sunday morning. I feel like I have more of a teaching for you tonight, but I want you to to grab this. I want you to get this. I want you to understand that that time really has an effect. Now, as you're understanding that, what I want to do is bring you to a scripture that Moses actually wrote. Moses wrote a scripture, and it's listed among the Psalms uh, in Psalms 90 and verse number 12. This is what it says. It says, teach us to number our days. Okay? Teach us to count our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So to illustrate what this this verse is talking about, numbering your days, I I brought this jar of of marbles here with me tonight. Okay, This jar of marbles can encapsulate a certain period of time in our lives. Okay, And, And it's to show you how limited your days are how short our lives are. This jar of marbles could represent several things. This jar of marbles could represent every Saturday. Let's just call it Saturdays. Every Saturday from the day you were born until the day you graduated college in this jar of marbles. Doesn't look like a lot of marbles, does it? This jar of marbles could actually, for many of you, we could represent every Saturday of your career before you retired. Just a jar of putting it in perspective for you now. Now, this is hard for me to say. But if my life expectancy is that of an average American male, this jar of marbles represents how many Saturdays I have left. What would happen if I took one out every Saturday? I'm not going to take an extra one out. It's not Saturday. But what would happen? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Time is a factor that brings change. You, whether you like it or not, you, you change over time. I have a joke that I've been telling for years around here, and it no longer works. I've been corrected too many times, and I know you've heard it. Most of you always said, I came here to pastor when I was skinny and with dark hair. The last two times I've said that, an older woman has said, honey, you mean when you had hair? Come on now, man. <laughs> so I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But anyway, so 
but time changes things. When somebody throws up an old picture of you, I, I, I was moving uh, offices this last week, and as I was moving offices, I, I'd found a, a picture and I actually gave it to Sammy earlier of Sammy when he was just a child, and it didn't seem, when I found it, I realized it really wasn't that long ago, and here he's, you know, this, this young man in his 20s, and, and I was like, wow, time changes everything. One 1,000 marbles, if we put 1,000 marbles in here, that's about as much time as you have to raise a child. You see, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get more serious about the time you have. When, you, when, I, when I start realizing that's, that's about how many Saturdays left. Now I'm thankful that the Lord says those who honor their parents shall live long upon the earth. Come on. So I'm praying that, that God's adding marbles to my jar. Come on, amen. But even in that, that's a lot to be asking for right there. Some of you are going, Pastor Don, I don't know how many. I, I don't know. You don't know what I'm facing. I don't know how many marbles I have left. But when you start looking at it in that perspective and you begin to understand that time changes everything, but time is limited, Sometimes it's easy for us to forget that we really need to be focusing on allowing God to change us now and stop putting things off till tomorrow. That was a better statement than the amen it received. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. We say, I'll take care of it tomorrow, but tomorrow may be too late. Today is the day of salvation. Our text today is telling us to take stock of how many marbles we have left and do the right thing. Get our lives in order. It says if you get your life in order, you take count of your days and begin to do what's right, it says then you will gain a heart of wisdom. Okay? Now some of you might ask, let me just ask you, what is a heart of wisdom? Well, let me just tell you what I put down here. It's the opposite of stupid. I mean, come on. We can get all spiritual about it, but let's just, the reality is a heart of wisdom is when you stop doing the things that wasted too many marbles. I'm preaching. Because some of you didn't do one marble at a time. Some of you lived in a way that... That was one Friday night. Come on now. Preaching truth. Wish you could put them back, don't you? You see, the heart of wisdom, when it boils down to it, we could break out wisdom, seven pillars, and we could do all that talk. But what I really want you to get is that what God's trying to say to us tonight is count your time and use the time wisely. Use it right. Use it effectively because you're going to realize you need to be more careful with that moment. Amen. You see, when we waste our years, we waste our weeks, we don't understand the importance of the value of what we're losing. But there's something about putting a number to the amount of days, a number to the amount of weeks that really causes you to begin to look at what you do in an entirely different light. Because when you see how much time you have left, you tend to take the time you have more seriously. When you realize that, that okay, my time won't go on forever. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, what, where did all the time go? And God forbid you receive some kind of an earth-shaking moment. We're praying for a family who's having one of those right now. 
an earth-shaking moment. You don't know how much time. And you start questioning how, how much time is there and our trust is in God. Let me just kind of put it in perspective for you. It's, it's a lot like going on a vacation. What happens when you're going on vacation? You count down the days until you get there, right? And then once you get there at the location, the boat, or even the staycation, what I do, I don't know if you do this, but you immediately count how many days until life gets back to normal, right? Oh, I'm going on vacation next week. You get there, and it's tough, and you get there, and you go, okay, five more days, and I get to go home to my, my bed. Come on. Anybody else that way? My mom says I was even that way as a baby. I'd cry, I'd get home to my bed. Come on. You know? But, but I, when I come home from a long trip, I just, oh. Okay, I'm home. I don't feel like I'm home until I feel that feeling. Oh, now I'm home. Well, I start counting down those days. But why? Why do I start? Not, not because I'm not happy to be on the trip. Because what I know is this. Listen to me. I have a limited time. And because I have a limited time, I want to fit as much in as possible. That's why you need a, usually need a vacation from your vacation. You see... I will chart, plan, reserve, train, do whatever it takes to maximize the time. I'm going somewhere with this. I hope you see where we're headed with this. But, but you see, we should take a long look and realize now is the time to make up your mind about God. Now is the time to look that habit right between the eyes and say, 28 days to change, that's a time period. And I'm determined it takes 21 days to make a good habit. And I'm determined the bad habits are going to go and the good habits are going to come. Come on now. I'm going to get where I'm supposed to be because I'm not wasting another day. God, I gave too many of these to the enemy. I want to offer up all that's left to you, God. Amen. I want to do right. I want to live right. I want to be right. You see, there, there, there are these principles in place that we are going to have to live by. There's a second principle, and this is it. When you see how much time you have left, listen to this, you tend to make what matters matter more. Okay? You tend to make what matters matter more. Too many times you waste too much time on something that really doesn't matter. But you just got mad about it. Come on. So you focused on it and you missed what mattered. And you missed it. Sort of like you'll go out of the way and you'll, you'll enslave yourself with a credit card for months to buy the right toy for your child for Christmas because that's what matters. And they stink and play with a box that came in for days. Come on. And you missed what mattered the most. You see, everything is limited. The amount of time, and it's like this gigantic countdown clock. So you are understanding and recognizing that there is time and that you, that ultimately somehow you've got to get certain things done and you understand the power of that countdown clock. And as it starts getting toward the end of the game, because you think, you know, wow, it should be all, should be a lot more. I mean, I really, when I walked in realizing how close that is in my own life, I was a little let down. I, I was like, I actually asked the person who counted these. I mean, I had them counted because I wanted it to be accurate. I asked him, I said, did you count right? Shouldn't there be more? But when you realize that, that this is where you are, 
You realize you've got to begin to move forward for Jesus and, and deal with the sins and deal with the struggles and deal with the problems. You see, there's an end game in mind. There's a place that we're trying to get with God in mind. Because all of a sudden, the seconds count. When you watch a good football game, they, they come down many times, and particularly with my teams. It's like they, you're sitting there. It comes down to the wire, and it gets down to seconds, inches, moments, single plays. Everything counts if you want to win. Am I making sense tonight? Our time is limited. We've wasted enough days in sin's camp. We've wasted enough days in trouble. We've wasted enough days in problems. We've wasted enough days doing things that stole extra days from our lives. Some of you are just thinking about the party animals in this place. It might be too much bacon. I should have got some old me's at least on that. Come on now. But we have to begin to do a couple of things to shift the loss of the marbles. One of the things we need to do is reprioritize and to refocus. We need to reprioritize and refocus and make what matters matter more. For example, we know we have a limited amount of time. We know that, that if, this makes it even harder. I mean, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but if, if this is my time, what's their time? That's my parents I'm pointing out. That's not, un, I should have warned them I was going to talk about how few marbles they had left. Come on now. <laughs> now I'll tell you. Well, yeah, when Frank got sick, my friend Frank got sick with ALS, and, and he lived, what was it, eight years he lived with that? Eight years. We were at about a third funeral of somebody who was young and healthy, and he rolled over to me in his wheelchair, and he said, I want to tell you something, Pastor. And I said, what? He said, they would have never dreamed I would have attended their funeral. Because they were all prepared to see me go. We don't know how many marbles there are in our... I'm just talking averages. But, but suddenly, that makes the connection stronger. Because you're making what matters matter more. You see, when you realize these things, you realize you only have time to do the intentional things. You only have time to do the intentional things. If we focus on what we can do and not on what we can't do, and we trust God to do what he can do, and we do what we can do, God can be trusted to do what he can do. Should I say that again? If we focus on what we can do and not on what we can't do, and trust God to do what he can do, and we do what we can do, God can be trusted to do what he can do. So what would happen... If for just a few minutes today, we stop thinking about what we can't do and what we've lost, and we start thinking about what we can do, and here's the danger. Sometimes in your world, in my world, we get frustrated. 
And I could not have set Rick up to say this any better than he said in his testimony when he said, listen to me, he said, sometimes I didn't see the change, but it was happening. You see, many times we get frustrated because we can't see the spiritual growth we want to see. We aren't seeing the change we want to see. But there's a principle related to time that I want to unpack with you so you can understand why what you do every day is so important and why you can't always see spiritual growth like you want to. Let me give you this, and it's not going to sound spiritual, but listen to it. Sometimes you can't see spiritual growth because it's just too spiritual. Okay? Let me go, what does that even mean, Pastor? What that's saying is you're wanting to see something happen in the flesh, and God's trying to work on your flesh so that when it happens in your flesh, it's not going to cause you to stumble. But God, I want this back, or I, I want this, and I want this. And God said, no, 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 I want this. Because until you get this, you can't get this. Are you, are you hearing me? So God's saying, if you'll stop trying to work your plan and start taking the days to work his plan, then he is doing something that, that is only compounded by you staying at the process every day. See, sometimes you can't, you need to realize you can't measure character because character changes gradually. Sometimes you can't predict significant moments that are going to happen because they're just unpredictable. Sometimes whenever I make a certain mark in my notes, it means really focus here. So I'm going to just give this as clear as I can. Sometimes you need to just rest in the fact that you should keep doing what you need to do week after week after week and trust that what you are doing will make a difference with time. Because what you do every week is important. It's important. You can't let down your guard. How many of you realize all the progress you've made can be lost in a moment? Come on now. In a moment. You have got to look at the long haul. Preaching truth. You've got to guard the moments. Every week, winning, doing your best. Here's what I promise you. I promise you it's true. Collectively, what these weeks do together, these Saturdays add up to together, will together do amazing things. They make a collective impact in a way that just a single individual week will not make. Ultimately, I want you to understand the power of the collective momentum of what happens when you keep doing what God has called you to do, even if you don't see immediate results. Can I just leave my notes for a second and tell you something that makes me just want to scream? Somebody who's had no time for God will come into this house and they'll say this to me. I've heard it over and over and over and over again. Well, God said he'd never put too much on me, but look where I am. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You are nowhere near God. Because I've never heard someone who has been a faithful doorkeeper in the house of God say that. Most of them say, I don't know how I made it, but I was not alone. He didn't forsake me. You see, people say, I'll serve him for a week and expect to have everything they need in the bank. Come on now. I'm preaching truth, right? They'll show up. 
They'll show up and say, claim a promise that should have been invested in for years. It's sort of like you know, the principle of some of these younger people in the room. If they'll take and put something in the bank now with compound interest. You know, they say if you put $500 into the right account on the birthday of a child, the day they're born, $500, at 64 years of age, it's like $1.2 or $3 million. It's called the power of compound interest. Are you, are you with me? All right. If I want to get there, I'm going to have to almost put every dime I make into that same account because the time is gone. Are you with me? Can I tell you that when you start trying to find God, you will find him and his grace is sufficient for you and he will do more for you than you could ever imagine. But don't you miss the power of compound interest with God. Don't you miss the power of being able to say he kept me then and he kept me through that and he brought me through that because the compound interest of knowing what God can do in the middle of your storm can cause you to stop wondering where he is because you know he's already in the boat with you. If I can go back, we're in our series just a little bit. You know where he is because he's been faithful in every storm. Come on now. And so we stay at it. We stay at it when we don't feel like we should stay at it. I don't know, I've said it twice this week. Somebody, they lie, you know, talking about giving up, and I'm like, I don't get it. How do you give up? I don't get it. How do you give up? What else is there? Scripture says the only intelligent, reasonable is the word of King James, the only intelligent thing to do is to serve God because he's the only hope any of us have. And none of us are getting out of here alive on this planet, but there's another one waiting. And when you serve God, the joy will come in the morning. Amen. Amen. Well, I said I wasn't going to yell tonight, but y'all know it never works. Come on now. You see, you got to stay at it. You know what it takes to become an expert at something? They say to become an expert, to become a master, to be to become someone who is considered skilled, deeply skilled. It takes at least 10,000 hours of practice in that. 10,000 hours. And most of us think we can step up and swing the club as good as the guy that's practiced for 10,000 hours. You may not be able to pray like that sister who has spent 25 years in her war room. Come on. But she started somewhere. And one of the best things for you to do is get in that war closet with her. Listen to her. Let her teach you what she's learned. I'm preaching truth tonight. You see, this is the reason why some pastors have a unique relationship with their church and their community. Because they go into a church and with a group of people week after week, year after year, and it develops, it develops very much a family atmosphere. There's something powerful that happens when you see how much time you have left. You see, you tend to see what, what time can accomplish over time. You tend to value what can happen over time. I guess I have to say, have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, well, how do I know over all this time that God's loved me the entire time? How do I know God still loves me? It's interesting, but I want to give you this. How do we know that God loves us over the course of our lives? It's really interesting because when we think through the Scripture, we think through theology, I kind of wonder why, why did God not just have Jesus? The Bible says Jesus was crucified from the foundations of the earth, right? How come when it was just Adam and Eve, Jesus didn't die then? 
would have took care of it then. But what we see is this. Instead of God immediately taking care of it, we see God go into action, and we see God working, taking the ages and years to pursue people. It is an illustration of what it means. Listen to me carefully. It's an illustration of what it means that God is not in the business of just trying to come in and clean up your mistakes, but God is in the business to deliver you from what caused you to make the mistake. And in the season of time that he's working on you with the battle scars the enemy thought would destroy you, God says, I'll redeem the scars. I'll step in and I'll take those scars and I'll help it bring glory to my name. And so what God did over the ages was he laid out a path that showed the sinner that no matter what it takes and no matter how far I have to go and no matter what depravity you end up to I've been after you since the beginning of time and no matter what you've said I'm still after you and I will get you says God come on he's after you Isn't that amazing? I say in church, God says, I will get you. And people are like, hallelujah. I say it out in a sinner situation and people go, oh no. It's because you know when he gets you, it's better than when he didn't have you. Come on now. I said that for anybody listening on the CD. Come on, amen. I want them to get that in perspective. And the bottom line is, when you put time over time, here's what you are doing. You are making history. You're making history. The problem is most of us don't, don't know that we're making history until we've made history. But when you keep doing what God's told you to do week after week, day after day, trust me, you will make history. When you see how much time you have left, you're going to value the time that you have. And you're going to want to create something that will affect more than a DNA sequence. And it's called legacy. You're going to want to leave a legacy. I think over time that we realize what can I leave that will affect future generations. I think there's a lot of confusion about legacy. I think sometimes we think a legacy means being known or being famous, but I don't think that's what legacy is. I, I really, really think that in 100 or 200 or 300 years, nobody is really going to know who we are anyways. Maybe in 100 years, People are going to be walking, walking through an antique store and they're going to see something called a photo of us. And they're going to say, look how silly things looked back then. And as they do, is that all that we want left? Or do we want a legacy? And a real issue of legacy isn't about being famous, but it's about making God famous. I'll say that again. When you make God famous in your family, it's not about leaving an inheritance. See, an inheritance is what you leave for someone. Listen to me carefully. But a legacy is what you leave in someone. Now, I don't know if my baby daughter is in the room, but I'm going to talk about her for a moment. Her friend flew in from California with her young lady that didn't, maybe you met her, she, her family is broken and in a bad situation and she needed somewhere to be for the holidays and she flew in. We were talking one day and talking about Jordan and her struggles, issues, different things. And, and this young lady, she spoke up and she said, she said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. She said, out of everybody that works there, there's one thing everybody knows about Jordan. 
And I said, well, what is it? You know, I was thinking, because she's feisty. <laughs> and they said, they know at 7 o'clock her alarm goes off. She grabs her Bible and she gets along with God and prays and reads. Now, that may not sound like anything to you, but that's where she's found her daddy every morning of her life. And so that showed me legacy. Legacy I needed to see because she's still at that age. I'm like, straighten up. Come on now. <laughs> but it showed me legacy. It shows me they've seen it. And I don't know how many times they've knocked at the doors. I don't know how many times... Charlie scoots in and tucks his head up beside me. Prays. They're learning the things of God. Listen to me. You can make yourself famous, but it's when you make God famous, that's what makes the difference. That's what, that's what changes everything. And so we don't have all the time in the world but we've got to get busy building up God in this generation, in this church, in our families. See, the real task at hand, the real, real job as a person on this planet now is to leave something in the people who are present now. It's now. And to use every opportunity in life to invest in them so they can understand how big God really is and understand what it means to engage in a story that is bigger than themselves and bigger than you. It's not all about us. It's all about Him. Sometimes I think we forget the essence of what legacy really is. As a leader, as an employee, an employer, as a friend, it's our job to show up be present, to do our part, to be the volunteer, the parent, the staff member, or whatever it is in life that we're supposed to be because we're not going to get another shot at this. So your weeks are numbered, and your time is limited, and your legacy is at stake. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.